This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. New message. Hey, girlfriend, it's Carol from Jury Duty. We never actually spoke, but I saw you ordered the same hoagie as me at lunch. What are the chances? Anywho, I heard you just got a boat. We should totally grab some hoagies and take it out for a spin. When you get a boat, you also get new friends. Make sure Progressive's one of them and get coverage today for as little as $100 a year. Do I want to feel the wind in my hair? Guilty as charged. <laughs> oh, seriously, let's ride on your boat. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. On August 25th, I'm the most brutal, vicious, ruthless champion that's ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young, rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down. Starring Trevante Rhodes. I'm I am Mike. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you as much as they fear you. Now I'm really gonna have some fun. Mike, series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. Hi there, this is That Millwall Podcast. This next episode is a grown-up show. It will have strong opinions and lots of bad language. What might offend you. If it does offend you, switch off now and find another show. But if you want to listen to strong opinions, very, very Millwall thoughts, then continue listening. Hello everyone, welcome back to another edition of That Mill Podcast D- Debate Special. Joined by myself, Omer, and my normal co-host, Mickey. Evening. How you doing? You all good? Yes, mate. We're joined by two special guests today. Firstly, I'll go over to Neil Fizzler, who's been on the show previously. How you doing, Neil? You all right? Yeah, not too bad, Omer, yourself? All well, thank you. And a very well warm welcome to Paul Turner. How you doing? You all right? Hi, Omer. Nice to uh, meet you virtually. Likewise, good to have you guys all on. Shame we can't be having a beer in a pub, but you know, 
times me and all that you know we're all doing our own things ain't we on zoom um but yeah all good so mickey i guess you know we'll kick off straight away we won yesterday mate and we've won two and two so to speak and we're up to fourth in the table things are looking hunky-dory good result yesterday mate um i think it was a fantastic result i think it was um the first first time in a while that the team looked really comfortable really gelled together um mahoney was probably you know like paul said yesterday that it's probably the best um game he's had in a shirt for a long long time um and i just think you know lead um luton could not contain us one bit they were just in trouble they were lucky really that it was only two nil yeah i mean paul we mentioned yourself there you know your comment yesterday it was, it was a great game yesterday wasn't it yeah, I thought I thought the um, the performance from start to finish was pretty good. Um, I thought the team from back to front uh, looked like a coherent unit, which they hadn't looked like against Wickham, certainly in the first half. Um, I've, I'll mention Mahoney again. I, I think the lack of crowds is probably helping him, if I'm honest. Um, same, I'd say the same for for Ryan Leonard as well. Um, yeah, I just thought it was a great performance. I thought Mahoney was. You know, I, I'm not a, fush, a football aficionado, but I know what I see. And watched, I watched Mahoney consistently throughout the game. And I just thought his performance was was one of the best I've seen from, if you like, that, that side of midfield player that I've seen in a long time, if I'm honest. No, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I couldn't agree more. I think the one thing, I, was, I mean, I was, he obviously was probably the man of match yesterday, and rightly so. I think, I was thinking to myself, at least, first half of the game I think what he done so well in the second half he just he ran out of player and took him on and I mean sometimes you see him turn back and kind of you know look for the easy option but I think he showed yesterday I mean I don't know if it's something against Luton it was kind of almost a carbon copy of his special goal last year against them but you know he seems to if he drives at a player and takes a player on I just think it is confidence maybe with him and you mentioned about the crowd um, Neil was that something you probably agree with Mahoney he was probably the best player on the pitch yesterday Absolutely. I think he's dominated from start to finish as we did. Yeah, well, everybody, yeah, it was a complete team performance. Uh, maybe, yeah we, yeah, we maybe lacked a little bit in the centre of midfield at times. But we've dominated them from the first to the last whistle. It's only a shame that we really couldn't have driven home the advantage and maybe scored two or three more goals that the performance definitely deserved. Yeah, I mean, first half was all us, and I think it's fair to say that. Second half, maybe we set off a little bit, but it was never really threatened. I think there's one opportunity, you know, midway through the half where they've shot from distance, and I mean, no one closed them down, but oh, thankfully I went wide. And I think towards the end, when Bart had to pull off a save, I think it was quite easy going. So, I mean, yeah, I think that's probably, I think after the game, the kind of consensus the team needs to do more going forward. I think we had 20 odd shots yesterday, which is obviously impressive for us. And we seem to be solid at the back and doing more going forward. So I think what I've noticed is obviously the last two games we've played four at the back. I mean, I'll come to either of you. I mean, who wants to go first on this one? But, you know, is it something maybe formation-wise has helped us out, do you think, coming against teams and pushing forward? Yeah, but I think we look a lot better with four at the back, mm-hmm. to be honest. Uh, yeah, Marlon Romeo, very solid. Uh, Murray Wallace, well, what can you say about Murray Wallace? He's keeping Scott... Uh, Scott Malone out, isn't he, at the moment? Couldn't couldn't actually fault him yesterday. I, I think I read a comment that that he could become the next Andy Frampton, that kind of player, solid, dependable. Yeah, what you see is what you get. And the 
two boys at centre half. Well, they're absolutely superb, aren't they? Jake Wallace looks so. Yeah, but Jake Cooper looks threatening. At every set piece, almost, and was unlucky not to score at least once or twice. Well, you gave a big thumbs up there when you was mentioning Andy Frampton. Yeah, I I, I think that um, Murray Wallace has got has had a lot of. Um, uh, bad press since he's come to Millwall. Don't forget that he's not really, he's not a left back, a little bit like Frampton. Um, he's a left-sided centre-back and probably maybe suited to playing in a, in a three, perhaps. Not not reputed as being a player of any uh, pace. But I have to say, um, as, a, as a left-back, as a makeshift left-back, he's the best I've seen since Frampton. Um, and, I, and I think that potentially... You know, he seems to be, I think Michael Calvin made reference to Frampton as one of the, quotes, governors. Um, and I think I think Murray Wallace is, is metamorphosizing into that type of player. Yeah, I think, I, I, to be honest, I agree with both of you there. I think he's kind of a dependable head, so to speak. And you, what you see is what you get. You don't really need something fancy or flamboyant from all your players on the pitch. Sometimes you need players in there that are going to do the dirty work and, you know, just be solid, really. I think... Mickey, is that something you agree with with uh, Murray Wallace as well, mate? Absolutely. I think he's just he just gets better and better. The only concern I've got with him is I just I just wonder if if when the fans come back if it will still carry on. Yeah, That's I my mean, biggest concern because a lot of the team are, are are seeming to perform now, but when the team, when the plat fans are in there and you've got all the boo boys and everyone else who gets right on them when they just make a silly mistake. Is it, you know, is it still going to be there? Yeah, I mean, I'm, to be not critical of him himself, but like more so, I think when the summer window, I, I named, I, I named obviously Malone so coming in as kind of a big side in the modern day left back. Wallace isn't that, but like I said, I think he is that dependable head, like you guys both said there as well. So maybe it's with the fans coming back. I think we love that kind of player. And I think the consensus for the majority would be that, you know, he has improved a lot. I mean, he was, he was quite critical of him in the first season, but he was a struggling side. So, you know, a team that's doing well, he seems to be full of confidence. So it can only be a good thing. I think I want to name check Ryan Leonard as well. I know we said him earlier about when the crowds come back, but aside from Mahoney, I think Leonard was a close second to out of the match yesterday. I mean, Paul, you're nodding your head there. Do you agree with me? Yeah, I've, I think I've, I've been I've been sort of singing uh, Ryan Leonard's praises from the beginning of, of this season, you know. So we had, a, we had a quick end to last season where it's all become a, bit truncated um, and, I, and I named we might get onto this later Omar I, mm. I named Leonard as being uh, the most improved player under Gary Rowett's manager um, ship mm. um, I mean he couldn't really he had to improve if I'm honest um, and bearing in mind the price tag he's carried around with him and you know the, the big you know signing for Sheffield United and all that stuff but um, I think he's much improved I think that he is deservedly keeping out players such as Thompson. I think Thompson's gone backwards, frankly. Um, I don't know if that's because of injury or I have no idea why. But I, I, I said Leonard's scored goals in cup games. And I just think he, he's breaking up play quite well at the moment. I think he's doing his job. Um, yeah. So I, I would, you know, he's, he's probably, you know, in the first four players on the team sheet for me. He uses his body well. I think, you know, yesterday he run, won the ball for Mahoney's goal in the build-up to it. And also, I remember the, I was watching on iFollow, the commentators did say like he was playing well and it wasn't even the commentators' jinx. He just kept playing and going from strength to strength in the game yesterday. 
And I think, you know, even though he's playing on a yellow card, both him and Woods just, you know, seem to work well together. Woods drops back. Leonard likes to get in the box and score goals. Obviously, he's got a couple already this season. Neil, anything to add on Ryan Leonard? I think he's improved out of all recognition this season. I think he's probably more settled. He knows his role a lot better. I think that, did he play right wing back in one game earlier this season? Was it against Crawley and looked at Yeah, first game of the season as well with Romeo injured. Yeah, he played there. Looked absolutely sensational. So he hit the, so he actually hit the ground running. I just think mm-hmm. he's carried on. And hopefully, because his old man lives just up the road from me, that he goes from strength to strength. Fingers crossed in that count as well. Mickey? Well, I mean, we, we want the Ryan Leonard what was at South End, didn't we, really? Um, you know, the rumours are Neil and I think Kavanaugh were, you know, really, really keen on getting him and they wanted him. And I think there was a South End just didn't want to sell him. Um, and then obviously we managed to get him through a back doorway. But I think that if we can get the player what, you know, South End fans really rank, um, rank him on and, and the way he was there and, and you know, his presence is, is superb. But right now, this team is... is fucking on fire if, if they can hold themselves together and we don't get injuries and everything else um, this is probably with the teams that are in it at the moment this is probably the year where if we're going to go up it could be this year yeah I mean the first season Leonard was with us is the first season in his career he didn't score a goal so I mean that maybe says he got us to a slow start he's always been a goal getter everywhere I think he got 25 goals in total for South End United I'm checking here now over the course of five, six years, which is obviously for a midfielder, you know, to chip in and help the forwards in the attacking areas, it, you know, lessens the burden on the forward player, so to speak. And yeah, I think, go on, Paul. I've, no, I just think that, I think that, you know, we've, there's something we've missed since we've um, sold George Savile. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the 10, 10 goal midfielder. Yep. I'm not suggesting he's there yet, Ryan Leonard, but I think he can potentially step up. Definitely. I mean, it was with, I mean, you mentioned Thompson earlier and obviously how he went backwards a little bit. I myself, I'd hate to be critical of someone like Thompson, who's obviously a Mill fan and stuff like that, but I didn't like the murmur. It's just in my personal opinion about him, you know, looking to get a move and kind of, I think he's out of the team and it felt like he was kind of like, you know, looking to go Portsmouth from what we read in the, you know, on Twitter and stuff like that anyway. And I kind of felt, I'm, I'm glad we kept him. So obviously he can fight for his place, but you know, you're looking for him to kind of maybe go above and beyond and try and force his way into the side, in my opinion, anyway. I mean, Neil, I don't know what you think about that. And obviously, Leonard getting goals and stuff. I just want to say one thing about Ryan Leonard. I wonder if he actually struggled a little bit with the expectation of the fee that we paid, what, 1.5 million for him? Maybe that was playing on his mind. Hopefully, Gary Rowett's just told him to forget about that and just get on with is footballer as for Ben Thompson well he had what half a good season at Portsmouth looked as if he'd cracked it probably needs a run of games he's probably a bit like Mahoney needs to play week in week out for a little while to actually see the best of him but but at the minute unless Leonard or uh, Ryan Woods get injured I can't see it happening no, I mean, either. I have to say that. I mean, Mickey, I'll come to you in a second, but I think what's great about the side at the moment is 
I noticed yesterday, obviously, Bod Farson was off, not even in the match day 18. Shane Ferguson not in the match day 18. It's great to have the options and, you know, have a squad of players to pick from. I think we've got another 20 games between now and the 1st of January. Go on, Mickey, I'll let you go on to your point anyway. But, you know, it's, it's great to have the options. And obviously, you know, with a lot of games coming, we'll need all the players in the squad, really. No, I agree. I think it's like what we spoke about before, Amar, with Ben Thompson. He's just not consistent every game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, in the League League One level, um, when he went to Pompey before, it, it was probably a lot easier set up for him um, against those players. But in the Championship, you, you, you can't not be on your game from week to week. And I just think that Thompson just isn't there week in, week out. I mean, he's a fantastic player. Don't get me wrong. He's a Millwall boy. Um, you know, and, I mean, you know, you can't fault the lad. The lad's fucking got his head screwed on. He's a top fella. But I just think that the consistency is probably what lets him down and not gets him in the team week in, week out. Because as soon as he hits form, then I think that he could fight for his position quite happily. But it's getting that form, which again, like Neil said, you know, he needs to be playing games. But at the moment, he can't get them. And, and obviously, I can understand they don't really want to loan him out in case they need to call him back. Yeah, I mean, he was in Rowett's team before injury. I think he got, obviously, quite a serious injury um, prior to lockdown, didn't he? And he was fairly missed the rest of the season. But he did, obviously, come back towards the end with the delayed start to or the restart of the last season. So, I mean, there'll be games for him. He's, he's a busy midfielder, so to speak. He puts himself about a bit of energy. Leonard's probably a bit more on the physical side and puts himself in the box as well. But... I think there'll be games for Thompson later in the season and hopefully we'll get his opportunity and take it. But we'll have to wait and see, I guess. I want to move on to today being the 21st of October. This time last year, we announced the manager joining, going by the name of Gary Rowett. Obviously still here now, thankfully. It's not gone backwards, so to speak. Um, I'll pick out a tweet from Jake Saunders earlier today. It's been exactly one year of Gary Rowett at Millwall. 64 points from a possible 117. Winning 17, drawing 13, losing 9. Only 36 goals conceded in 39 games and 17 clean sheets. I mean, he's, he sums it up with great reading, but that's fantastic, isn't it? I think I'll also name check quickly. He then said afterwards, Neil Harris was nine wins, 14 draws and 16 losses. So he's basically reversed it on his head there, hasn't he, Paul? Um, yeah, I think different circumstances. Um, I think I think there is no doubt that Rowett has um, changed the way we play. And I think he's been successful in doing that. Um, I, I, I'd like to see what the figures are when Rowett departs the club, and and what his win ratio is after. So, well, I, I don't think he'll be here six years. Or, but but you know what, when he's when he's actually departed the club and see what his his total win ratio is. Mm-hmm. Having said that, he seems to be doing a good job. Um, I think sometimes. And, and, you know, I'm going to be a bit controversial here, which you would probably expect me to be. But I, I think that Harris was criticised for being one-dimensional. And I think in some ways, Rowett is one-dimensional as well, but in, in a different type of way. So at the moment, it's working. And I think he's got a good squad. Uh, and I think he's, he's taken over. And I think when he came in, he said it wasn't much of a decision to make uh, for taking over the squad that he'd been left with. So I think it, it, it's. I think what we shouldn't what we shouldn't do is give all the credit to Rowett, even though I rate him as a manager. I think we've got to remember back when Rhino had a squad, 
and I think who took after took over was it McGee afterwards or, or you know or McGee to Rhino took over after McGee. I think there is a throughput of squad players and and, and team spirit, and I think I think Rowett's doing a good job, but I I, I remain to be hundred percent convinced about him. No worries, Mickey. Go on. You got your, your way in there. I, I, no, I, I, to be fair, I sort of agree with Paul. I think, you know, Rowett was lucky to come in to have a group of players where the dressing room was quite solid. I think the problem with Neil, and I think it's been a problem with Neil for a while, is that the experience, was his lack of experience being a manager was showing. The problem, what I know, and obviously, you know, during his time there, um, I was quite close within the club and whatnot. Neil was very much a man, you know, a, 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 a people's manager and everything, but he was, he was all over him. Um, he was, you know, he wanted to be the man to help any player problems. Um, he had some major issues, what went on with some of the, some of the players there in the time, some problems and whatnot, what he dealt with, but he, he dealt with it. And the problem is, is that Neil as a person could not take criticism that well. Um, he took it personally, really personally. And I think that, it was getting to a stage where you weren't seeing any plan A. You, you were seeing the plan A, and if that started to fail, there was no plan B or plan C. It was sort of, there was a panic. Because in with, with Rowley, what you see is that if it's not working, like his first game in, wasn't it, against Charlton, we were drawing, and Neil would have parked the bus up and made sure that we defended that draw so that we got a draw. And Rowley was just, fuck it, threw everything on and just went for the win where Neil probably wouldn't have used that 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 much to just say throw caution to the wind and go for it is in Rowlett's got a lot and also I think that Neil was always keen on the 50 point mark you know looking down more than looking up and yeah. I think Rowlett's more let's look at the top that's where we can be don't care about the bottom um, and I think that mentality it's, it's slowly worked. But he's got a full, at the moment, it's about 45% win weight, win, win rate, um, which, you know, in the championships, not bad fucking rating for a manager. No, I mean, it's not bad at all. I think maybe it's different stages. Obviously, it's worth, it is worth saying, obviously, half the players that are doing as well now are Neil Harris signings. I think, you know, Rowett's done well in getting championship experience in players that he knows probably would do a job in this division on loan. Um, Sahore will have to wait and see so the jury's out on that and the same with Troy Parra unfortunate with him he's started the season so far but I think what I noticed anyway is I think Rowe with the perspective of being away from the club and then coming in someone that wasn't really a middle man before like Neil Harris was I think he's got that he's got his own opinions in the sense that, you know, Neil Harris was very a mill side this, a mill side that, whereas Rowett is like, no, we're going to do a my side, which is maybe more of a championship way of playing, so to speak, which I think has helped us. You know, it is obviously, I agree with you in a sense, Paul, that, you know, he is very, he plays his way and he's quite stubborn in that, but I suppose all managers are quite like that in a sense, maybe. But yeah, I think um, it's definitely, I think it's noticeable with, uh, different perspective, so to speak, and not really a mill perspective of you know up and at them and stuff like. That. I think it does. I think I can see a difference personally as well. So, Mickey, you're gonna add something into that? I just, I just think he's a breath of fresh air with his mm. post-match um, interviews. They're a lot more honest. Um, he's not, he's not afraid to criticise the team. He's not afraid to criticise um, people. He understands how important it is to have the fans in. He, he understands, you know, what we expect. Fans. I just think that his football knowledge is second to none. I was a bit 
concerned when Callum left was the attacking mind going. But, you know, I think possibly um, with Barrett, he's, he's possibly got someone back in. I think getting um, Williams in as... It's William, yeah, it was Williams, isn't it? I'm thinking of, yeah. Getting okay. Williams into the team is good because he's good... Is a good member of the team. Um, Abby Robinson um, in there, having Robbo in there as well is another, you know, good setup. I just think that he's got other people to to help breed that Millwall way. But I think his knowledge and experience from multiple championship teams and his playing career is just second to none. I just think it brings a whole new um, dynamics to the team, and especially now with the defensive side, we are. So fucking solid. I mean, I think it's, you know, looking at that that tweet out today by Playmaker, it's 13 clean sheets and we're one of the top five in Europe sitting alongside Barcelona and Real Madrid. Do you know what I mean? Fucking hell. I know, Who would have thought that? I know, Jake Cooper's taking shots from the halfway line as well. So, you know, confidence is there. I think that's probably something he's, you know, he's obviously not telling Cooper to do that. But, you know, if it's the confidence he's given the players, I think. Um, Neil, obviously you've, been, you've not really spoken for the last few minutes. Apologies for that. But anything to add on to Gary Rowe and his influence in the last year? I think it couldn't be it couldn't be more different. Uh, you know, he took over and people were saying, oh, we're going down now. Aris has gone, we're going down. But now we're looking up. And I think our mindset is, horrible word to use, but we're actually looking at the Premier League and we're thinking we are in a position where we can challenge to go into the Premier League, whether or not we make it's another thing. I think we're probably one or two players short and we'll come on to that a little bit later on, I think. But he's put us in a bloody good position to actually go and do something. And I think if he can get us up there, I think he'll probably go down as probably the greatest Millwall manager of all time. Mm-hmm. Considering that you, you consider, yeah, but I know that everybody will laugh at that statement. But but you have a look at disparity between the likes of Brentford who are spending nine million pound on a striker because they just sold another striker for what thirty odd million pound, and there's us. We beg, borrowing, stealing whatever we can. Yet we're hanging on the coattails and what he's done in the last year has just been absolutely miraculous, I think. Yeah, and I think a lot needs to be said about that. You know, the dressing room is the dressing room is. I think, you know, Neil Harris probably has got a big say about that one, I think, because, you know, they police themselves, the dressing room, they all want each other and they're all like an honest bunch, really. And I think, you know, Rowett's kind of always been, you know, positive about that as well. You know, they all work hard, they all put the effort in and it's, it's starting to show. I mean... It is great. I'm always conscious being a Millwall fan, you know, six six games in, we're, we're fourth place. Even I'm sitting there last night, you know, buzzing, you know, thinking to myself, what's this season going to have for us? But at the same time, I do have that. I like to look up, but I always think, let's get to 50 points and be safe. And that's the inner Millwall of me, I think. Much like Saturday of Wickham when they went 1-0 up. They've not won all season. They've not scored a goal. Bart makes a mistake. And I'm thinking, fuck me, we're in trouble here. But then again, we came back. Go on, Paul. I think... I think uh... Just on that game and, and, and the perception of Rowett, if we played the second half like we played the first, that 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 first half performance was worse than the Luton performance that did for Harris, mm-hmm. in my mind. It was dog shit, right? And 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 basically that was that was the performance at Luton that killed Harris's Millwall manager managerial career. 
So the fact that we came back and won uh, against let's let's be let's be frank, you know, a shit League One side that's um, got one of our castoffs in it um, is is a good thing because obviously we came back and and, and turned them over. But frankly, you can't afford to play like that for 45 minutes against what is a, a, a team that shouldn't really beat 80% of the teams in the championship, in my mind. No, I, I, think, I do agree with you there. And I think what's good, though, is after the Swansea game, you know, it was a first defeat of the season. I was a bit, you know, not sure. But I think, you know, the challenges was there to the players last week. You know, like, you've got three games coming up, Wickham, Luton, Barnsley. If we get nine points from that, then you know where we're going to be this season. And that's the gauntlet that's been laid down to the players. And, you know, a fair play to Rowett and the players, you know, they've all turned up and done the business, so to speak. And hopefully we follow up on Saturday and then we got to Preston next week, you know, confidence. Barnsley is always the judge. I know, I know, it's true. It's always been the hoodie. They, they, tur- they fucking turn us over. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to agree. And I think, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I think... We'll see where we're on a year's time of Garrett again, or Rowett again, sorry, and see if it's the case of, you know, sitting in the Premier League, sitting pretty, or, you know, if the form's the same and the, you know, the confidence is exactly the same as it is. We'll have to wait and see. I think we've, you know, we've hit our way about on the pitch matters and what Rowett's done, but I guess we'll move on to the juicy side of today's show and we'll talk about what's going on off the pitch more so. Um, Mickey's made some nice notes for us for today to go through. The first one he's put on there is beanbags with fans in the stadium, but not in the stadium. So I guess we'll open it up to the floor. Who wants to go first on that one? I think myself, personally, I don't get the attraction of sitting in a stadium with the game going on behind a glass door behind me um, or blacked out windows or whatever. Mickey, do you know a bit more about what's the setup going to be over there on Saturday? No, it's just, you. you I think it's, so I've heard that there's about 80 people maximum going in, but I just, I, I'm same as you, you know, I, I'll benefit to support the club and stuff. I think the club needs to change its way on stuff, which we'll come on to in a bit. Um, but I think you'll get a certain level of fans there. But I think the the interest to me of, of sitting there when the game's going on behind the glass, you know, away game, different, but a home game, I just, I'd want to be out on the in the stands I'd, I'd do whatever I can to get out on that stand um, you know go up to the director's seats whatever it is try to get there because um, I just couldn't I, I couldn't pay you know I couldn't pay 60 quid to sit on a table when I know the game's going on outside when you know you could probably sit in a pub or, or sit at home with your pals and whatnot. Um, and I think this COVID gets worse and worse it's just that I understand why they're doing it they're trying to breach a loophole and say, look, you know, if we can have people here, why can't we have people there? I totally understand all of that, but it's just, you know, it, uh, not for me. I think a lot needs to be said um, about it, though, because I didn't, I didn't like the pricing point to me as well. Now, that's another thing for another day, maybe, or we could talk about today, but 50, 60 quid to watch a game, but, you know, I felt like it was more catered to the executive people, people that, you know, like to normally go to the games and have the full package, so to speak, on a batch day. But I feel like you're pricing out people that, you know, might want to turn up and have, I don't know, a burger and chips and a few pints. You might make more money that way because you might end up spending more money on alcohol. I don't know. I feel like they missed the trick by instead of going for numbers, they've gone for the more pricey package and tried to get more, you know, a different type of person maybe into the ground, so to speak. Neil, you're gone. You can go ahead. I think it's, uh, 
I think it's a bit of a nonsense, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. If you can have 80 people in watching it on TV with the windows blacked out, why can't you have a two, 3,000 socially distanced in the stand? I fully understand why the club are doing it. Other clubs have done it. Wasps did it in rugby the other week when they had a premiership semi-final. As for the numbers, I think you'll find that that's probably all they can get in there because of because they've had to work out how many you know how many it holds and you've got to have it socially distanced and all of that. I don't get the attraction of doing it like Mickey. I'd probably when we score, I think I'd probably run up to the director's box and go absolutely mental. And uh, but but the clubs have to look at revenue streams. They have to look at can they make a case for letting fans back in? And maybe this is, as somebody else pointed out, maybe this is a step in that direction. But but to be honest, it's not for me. I'd much rather watch it at home on iFollow giving your uncomfortable surroundings. Yeah, Paul, you got anything to add on that one? Um, I just think it, it, it smacks of um, elitism again. I think people tend to forget about the Portugal trip the other year where if you had if you had two or three grand, you can go and watch the pre-season tour um, when, when rival teams were selling packages to normal fans for 350 quid. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I support Millwall. I don't support the fucking club. Um, Because I think that at the end of the day, the people running it, um, yeah, I get it. It's a business these days, but I don't give a shit whether it's a business or not. What I care about is the team that I grew up supporting. So the people that are running it, including the chairman, the the chief exec, um, they'll all be gone. But, you know, people like me and and you, Omar, and, and Neil and Mickey will still be there when they've all fucked off. As far as I'm concerned, um, no, I think it's a dog's breakfast. Either put fans in the ground or don't. You know, don't don't charge 60 quid when people can watch it at home, drink their own Guinness in their own front room for a tenner. For me, it's no point. Okay. Oh, no, I, look, I agree. I think the whole system around it is fucked up. Um, the fact that you can watch football in a cinema, but you can't watch it in a fucking stadium is um, a joke. I mean, you know, we started we we started pushing the petition what went out. Um, when we picked up, there was, a, you know, five, six, seven people on there. We were, what, seven, eight or whatever it was. And then we got Adrian from Talk Sport involved and we got, you know, um, Dorking involved. They, they jumped on the back of it and some other clubs jumped on the back of it. But, you know, as always, it's Millwall what leads to fucking charge. And... The problem is, is that with COVID going up and up and up at the minute all over the place, the last thing the government's potentially going to do is, is let fans in. Their biggest concern is not the fans going in the stadium, it's the fact of going to and from games. Um, and I think, you know, with what conversations I've had and whatnot with people, that Millwall's fully capable of being able to do that with, um, you know, with the closing of the station afterwards, with letting people out at different entrances or exits and, you know, it'll all be, it's all going to be planned exit strategy and everything else. Um, I honestly can't understand why we can't have four, five, six thousand people in a 20,000 seat stadium. Um, And I think that if people got the opportunity to go to Millwall, then I think people would be responsible um, 
you know, to a level I don't think they're going to be ridiculous, but I think people will be responsible to to make sure that that doesn't ruin their opportunity of being there. Um, if like someone, you know, someone fucking re- reporting the other day about um, rugby's been told that they're not getting people back until April, if that's the football, then unfortunately I can see many clubs going to the wall. And again, you know, like Paul said, let's not forget, it doesn't matter who's in charge at Millwall, they are only custodians. Um, and when they decide that, you know, another job comes along paying more money that they want or they've had enough of, of putting income in and everything else, then they will walk away. It's happened, you know, in the past, Peter de Savary, Theo, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, Reg Burrs, et cetera, et cetera. People will walk away um, and a new face comes in. So at the end of the day, the badge on the shirt is ours. No one else's. Um, and we'll fight it for whatever reason we will. But I just think we need to have fans in because my biggest my biggest concern without having fans in is that clubs are not in a position for fan retention or even for, you know, to try and keep those fans active and interested. And, you know, six months down the line of paying a tenner to watch it on the telly, people are going to fall into that routine and think, well, actually, you know what, it's costing me you know, 400 quid a, a year, I can watch my own house, I can go buy a tenner's worth of beer, have a good afternoon, and actually I've got no transport. I don't have to spend an hour, hour and a half. I mean, me and Paul, hour, hour and a half to get there, hour, hour and a half to get back, if you're going straight there, straight back, and and the money what goes with it. You're saving that money. That's, that's my biggest concern, is that fans will realise how much money they're saving and it will, it will affect the team going forward massively. I think, yeah, you're realising, you know, you're losing the whole, you know, the whole thing of going Mill. Like I said in the previous show, you know, going out, meeting friends, going out and stuff like that. You know, go on, Neil. I'll let you jump in. I don't actually buy into this nonsense about uh, fans travelling to the game because when they let people into the opera and the ballet, yeah, no, they all don't go into central London in their chauffeur-driven cars. And I, I totally about. agree with you, Neil. It's, it's absolute bullshit. It's just another... You know, once we start and overtake that pop, that problem, the government will find another problem. And then it will just, they literally keep putting it in. You know, put towns and cities into deeper lockdowns and deeper tier lockdown stuff just to make sure that, you know, you ain't going to go. And that's the problem. Uh, you're not going to do it because time. obviously it's going to be a massive risk. What's that? Football and football fans, they're an easy target. Football and football Absolutely. fans are an easy target. Week in, week out, and we see it how we get treated at games. Yeah? You wouldn't... Yeah, but if they, if they actually treated lefties and snowflakes and protesters half as badly as they treat us week in, week out, there'd be some kind of outcry. But, but they have to remember that there's a lot of people myself and all of us, really, that we're missing our football and we want to go and watch our team on the Saturday afternoon. They can protest all they like about God knows what, but and they can go to the ballet, go to the theatre, go to the cinema. I just don't get it. I really do not get it. And I think it sums up this shambles of the government and the policy that we're not allowed in there. Go ahead, Paul. I have to say that um, going back over the last five years, I, I, I've been going Millwall uh, for about 40 years. 
and I've had a season ticket for probably about 35 of those. And this year is the first year I've not renewed for obvious reasons. Not, and it's not, it's not a financial decision. I just thought, well, I'm not going to see any football, so I'm not going to give them any more money at the moment. I've given them enough money over the years. And, and anybody that knows, uh, and Mick will know this, uh, my involvement in with the club, um, we, we've done our bit. Yeah, let's just say that. So um, from my point of view, I certainly from the last three or four years, I've been toying with not renewing anyway, frankly, if I'm honest. And if that means that people that know me think, oh, he's fucking, he's not fucking Millwell and all this, well, you know, y- you can crack on. Um, but what I would say is that the reason I go to football now, not the reason 40 years ago, but the reason I go now in my 50s is not necessarily for the hour and a half of football that I get. It's for the for the before and the after. So, you know, if I go, I'll meet my mates in a pub, we're going to have pie and mash. I know it's, it's typically South London. And then we go to the game, get the game over with, and we might, if it's been a good day, we might go out for a beer afterwards, you know? So for me, it's, it, it, it's an event, but the football is becoming, and I know this sounds a bit crass, but the football is becoming less and less important. Now, Omar, you probably, you won't understand that just yet, maybe, but, and I'm not talking down to you, mm-hmm. but but I think people of mine, and, and I'm not sure how old Neil is, but I think we're probably similar ages, you will begin to understand that. Um, so at the moment, I'll watch it at home, right? Um, and I thought I'd miss the stadium more, but I don't. Yeah, no, I mean... I totally get that to be honest with you. And I'm starting to slowly get to that point now as well. I mean, I've not obviously have been able to have a season ticket as long as you have, Paul, and I'm sure so with Mickey and Neil. But, you know, it's more so I miss the social element just as much as the actual game. Obviously, I love watching the game, debating about it afterwards and talking about it and sounding like I know what I'm talking about with football. But I equally miss just as much waking up eight, seven o'clock in the morning, getting on the rattler with four, pint, four cans of Foster's in my hand, you know, and with the boys, really, and having that kind of, you know, legion so to speak and you know when when you go up north on an away day and there's a thousand mill fans there and you know you're having a sing song that's what i go mill for i don't go mill for the football so to speak obviously the football's the, the main part of it don't get me wrong but you can't beat on a saturday being at Millwall, i wish i could say i was on the terrace at the old den singing and you know giving it as my dad always tells me he used to but like that's what i go football for and that's what i think the government's refusing to see it they're putting in jeopardy a lot of these football clubs you know all the football clubs are saying it. Financially, we're in trouble. No one's helping us. The Premier League's trying to take control of a bad situation with what they're trying to do. Maybe that's the topic for in the whole another show another day. But it's you know it's it's a real situation where you're going to have a scenario where hundreds of thousands of people go to watch football on a Saturday, but some people won't be able to go and watch it anymore due to any various reasons. But you're going to you're messing around with a lot of people's you know hobbies, livelihoods, and it's only going one direction. I think sometimes, with like especially at football, there's some people that go to football who possibly don't really socialise any other part of the week. Football to them is, you know, the time they meet friends. That that you know, some of them the whole day they they go to the pub, they go pie and mash, they they'll have a day out all around it, and you know they meet people who they won't see in their normal walk of life, but they see it at football. Um, you know, like where Paul sits where you sit on the East, there's guys there where you, you wouldn't socialise with on a normal basis, but you see them at football. Um, 
uh, you know, a lot of the bodies you sit around, same, you know, same. You, you, you don't necessarily socialise, but you do at football. And I think that is the the big issue, you know. And when we do go back, I think there'll probably be a lot of empty seats around you where, unfortunately, some people won't ever come back, um, you know, through sadly passing or, or whatever reason. But I think there'll be a lot of people who used to go who possibly won't go now. Um, yeah. yeah. That's it. On a Saturday, it's either you win and celebrate a few pints afterwards or you drown your sorrows and have a few more after. It's, it's The football's kind of the main part of it, in a sense, but there's more to it, I think. And I don't know if anyone's got any more to add to that. You know, Neil, have you got anything to add? No, no. no I think yeah. we've said it all. Yeah, well, we want our football back, really, don't we? we wanna, yeah, well, we want to be miserable. Coming out of the ground after we've just lost, or we want to, yeah, we want that euphoria of uh, status quo rocking all over the world like last night. It's yeah, and just... we want that that cold Tuesday night sitting in a fucking stadium in the middle of a hole, watching our team get battered three nil, and then that fucking four or five hour journey back home again. That's that's what you miss. It's those it's those days like that where you have, you know, it, it's those sort of things what you miss. Um, and hopefully it'll be back sooner than it, sooner than April. To be fair, has anyone got a refund yet on their Charlton match tickets or anything from oh, last oh, season? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I'm opening I'm a massive eggshell here. Honestly, <laughs> it's just round pole right up. The key's gone in and turned off. He goes. <laughs> I have, I have to say, I, I have not applied for a refund um, on anything. But um, the fact that some people could have, I don't know, what do you reckon? What's your estimate? 100 quid coming back on the season ticket for last year? How much you got, Omar? Well, I've got my Charlton match ticket and Barnsley match ticket from the away games. That's the only two I wanted to take back. So that's about 60 quid. But my mates have got it as well. So times that by 10. So, you know, 600 quid there, really, you can say. But the point is, right, is that some people, 100 quid is a week shopping, yeah? Now, to me, it's not, right? You know, I'm, I, you know, I'm by no means well off, but you know what? 100 quid is not going to make a massive difference to my life, but it does to some people's. And, and I'm, I'm fucking sickened that the club are, have, have, have furloughed staff, made staff redundant, and are paying the players full money I think it's a fucking disgrace, right? I don't care about, oh, yeah, well, you know, those players, if they don't get paid, they'll leave. They'll fuck off somewhere else who to somebody else that will pay them. I don't give a shit. As far as I'm concerned, um, and I, I've got a very good friend who's a journalist who, 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 who defends the club on this all the time, right? And I'm not having it. As far as I'm concerned, um, you know, if they if they if they paid the players ninety percent, they could have kept normal workers on, and 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 I'm by no means a part of the people um, lefty because I'm not. I've never been a lefty, but as far there is, it, it it's that can't be right. I'm sorry, and and, it, think... and this, with the refunds is is linked to all of that. None none of it's right in my mind. I agree with you. I think refunds should be done. Um, you know, uh, you know the new system. We'd be phoning people this, that, and the other. Well, you know what? Omar ain't had a fucking phone call yet. Um, no doubt you will get one after this show. But Omar, <laughs> Paul ain't had a Paul ain't had a call either. But I think 
the player side of it, I think, um, like like a mutual friend, um, Paul, um, I think that the club is very, very tied regarding the players. I think the PFA has done absolutely fuck all um, to try and help out with this um, and suggest, because I think the, P- the, the PFA has a lot to answer on another topic um, coming later on. I just, I think that they could have quite happily instructed players to make offers or even to set up a fund um, rather than taking money. Because we all know, look, let's, let's not fucking lie about it. If the players take a cut in wages, they're not actually taking a cut in wages because there'll be some smart um, tax lawyer who will then, you know, stick it against the tax loss. And in fact, they'll probably be better off for losing 10%. Um, in wages because it probably gives them twenty percent tax fucking break, um, but I agree. I think that you know I think the PFA should do a lot more um, in the position where they are rather than just sitting in you know their ivory towers fucking telling telling players not to not to agree to this, not to agree to that. Some players have offered cuts, and you know I've heard stories of some other um, clubs where players negotiated. Um, price cuts, but fucking negotiated it for 90% of the team on the condition that they didn't take a pay cut. Um, so you've got loads of shenanigans going on. Um, this was back in, in March, April time. You've got loads of shenanigans going on. I don't know. I think a lot of people probably worked at the den, probably were on zero hours. Um, and with furlough coming to an end, it probably isn't viable to pay, but that's probably across. Um, the catering business as a whole within football and, and entertainment. Um, but no, look, I, I I don't think people should be made redundant because as soon as this all goes back on again, they're going to be re-employed. Um, you know, that that's the crazy side of it. Put them on a retainer or something or, or maybe get them, you know, seconder them to the trust or something. Do you know what I mean? When they're on furlough rather than lose them. It is a hard place to be in, I think. If you... I also do feel sympathy for the football club in a sense because they're not expecting to lose out on all the revenue that they've lost out on because people ain't there on a match day. And let's be honest, it probably is a big chunk of money, especially in Bill's case, I think, as well. So it is a, it is a hard place to be in, I think. And it's, I, do, I don't know, I think I'm, I'm one that's always trying to be positive. And I do agree a lot with what you're saying, Paul, in the sense that, especially with refunds, like it's, it's been going on for about nine months now and it's something that should have been done you know, a long time ago. And it's, it is at the point where, you know, how much longer can you not kind of be critical of the club in a sense? And I think even myself, I do think like, you know, okay, to me as well, do I need the six quid back? Not necessarily straight away, but if I've applied for it and you're willing to give it and you should be willing to give it now, you know what I mean? I do think that as well. And I don't know, I think the Premier League done something, didn't they, when, under the Black Lives Matter scheme, which is, you know, some of the players took a pay cut and then we led to, yeah, I know we led to a lot of that. And I, I know the Premier League, like, captains, you know, came forward, the likes of Jordan Henderson, Mark Noble, stuff like that, and Troy Deeney, and they'd all led to this kind of campaign of taking a 30% cut. But the Championship kind of went under the radar. I don't know, clubs really haven't really publicised what they've been doing, if at all. Um, I guess I've opened another can of worms there. So. <laughs> the Championship didn't support it. The, 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 the EFL never got in bed with the Black Lives Matter movement, with the BLM movement. Sky, the Premiership, jumped straight in. And to be fair, um, they are desperately trying to get out of it. Um, you know, they? And I think what... 
yeah, the Premier League and all that. Yeah, well, they are, but they can't because they're too in bed with it now. Yeah, yeah, they're too in bed with it. They're not. There's no way in the in the world that they're going to come out of it on a good PR basis because they're fucked. They jumped straight in bed with it, got it all on their shirts, everything else. They're fucked, and and that's the problem. If if a player wants to do it for his own reasons, then you know what, do it. But as a whole, I really don't think taking the knee has any benefit right now for the the real Black Lives Matters movement. Not not the you know the defund the police and all that sort of side of it. I don't think it's got anything to do with it. Politics shouldn't be in football, but I just think it's it's snowballed. I mean, I've heard of of players who who potentially aren't going to take the knee of getting death threats and all this sort of shit by all these lefty lunatics. Um, and I just think it's, you know, very, very, it's a very, very PR nasty fucking movement for, you know, where'd you go? I think realistically you've got the Remembrance Day coming up. The players cannot take the knee on Remembrance Day because it's about fallen soldiers. And I think from that moment on, no more taking the knee. I'm, I'm telling you now, if that happens on Millwall on the Remembrance Day, I will never set foot in that stadium again. Absolutely. One Absolutely. Go ahead, Neil. I saw you put your hand up there. Oh, yeah, funnily enough, I went on to talk radio the other week and spoke about this very subject. It is virtual signalling woke bollocks. The whole thing. Unfortunately, they've They've gone so far now, it's difficult to row back. Yeah, Whatever yeah. they do is going to be criticised if they do it now. You've got Sky. Every, I, I watch a transfer deadline day coverage, and every time they went to a commercial break, I thought somebody, I thought, I thought the world was about to end. It was depressive. All kinds of things, but I secretly think that they're waiting for fans to come back in the stadium. Yeah, me and you both. Or into stadiums. And I'm not just saying that this is a Millwall fan, but Kevin O'Sullivan mentioned it, who's a Fulham fan as well. The fans' reaction to this will govern that it stops immediately. Because it's going to get boo, people all, fans will not react well in the majority of cases to this. Everybody Just look at the media. It now it's, yeah, well, it's a hollow, empty gesture. They've not followed it up with anything. Racism is no. wrong. Yeah. I don't, nobody can say that, that, that racism is right or anything like that. But, but they're just taking a knee. It just seems to be just some woke load of nonsense that it's got nothing behind it. They've not followed it up with anything. Well, they just Sky... go down on the knee seconds, get up, and yeah, you're almost thinking, can we get on with a bloody game, please? I, I agree. The first couple of games, great. You know, it was it was it was current. It was oh, there. Now it's just you look at the players, even the commentators. It's literally over and done with in about 10 seconds. And, you know, it is what it is. But I think Sky, what Sky should have done is rather than chasing championship clubs and premiership clubs going, 
we're not getting the amount of TV, what we should have got, the games we should have got. What they should have done is said, well, look, rather than us taking £10 million back out of most of the championship teams or, you know, £5 million back because we're not showing as many games, what we're going to do is rather than give us that money, we're going to plough that money into an organisation like Kick It Out, who really needs the money rather than fighting to prove their existence. They really need the money so they can do proper community engagement activities to actually benefit their cause rather than just be there in case of, you know, something comes up, they jump on it and it makes them look bad as well. But no, look, I agree with you. I think once the fans are back in there, it's going to stop. I think it's true. Though. The message needed to move on. Like there needs to be then another follow-up and more things that will be done. It was kind of just thought, let's do this. It'll look good on TV. And then now it's kind of got out of control. And now at what point would you do to stop it? So it is, an, it is a difficult, hard place to be in, I suppose, in the sense of people up there. But in the end of the day, if media is what we consume on Twitter nowadays, then no matter what they do, they're going to be scapegoated. And it's going to be a case of whatever happens, happens, I feel like, at this point. Paul, you mentioned a good point earlier about um, Ryder being the most improved player in the sides. I think uh, since Rout's come in anyway, I think I, I do want to agree with that, I feel like. And I feel... You know, obviously Wallace is, like we mentioned earlier, has become, you know, the Andy Frampton effect, so to speak. Um, Jake Cooper seems to be an ever-consistent player that's not no longer playing a diagonal ball forward to the big man up front. Sean Hutchin just seems to be quite consistent as he was previously. Romeo seems to be more of an attacking fullback. I think a lot of the players have improved there. Mickey, do you feel like there's anyone else in there that you want to pinpoint or pick out? No, I, think, I think Marlon has improved fantastically well. Um, you know, he's really inconsistent under Harris. You were getting hit and match. He's now fucking always in the team now. He's, he's the first choice there. Same as um, Wallace. And I think also um, Hutchinson and Leonard, they're, they're, all, they're all coming on. They're all there or thereabouts. Our defence, you know, our back four now are, are solid. You ain't getting through them. Uh, and, they're de- you know, they're dependable now. They're, they're one of the best ones in in the league. Um, I think, and again, like like, like what I said earlier on, it's his man management and his football experience, I think what's, what's helped them move forward. I think it's more playing on the front foot, front foot, so to speak, not being afraid to try something new. Um, I do feel like, you know, like I said earlier, Cooper taking a shot from the halfway line. I don't think he would have ever done that previously under Harris. I feel like, you know, it might be saying that not frowned upon necessarily because obviously you encourage stuff that almost comes off like that. But I think to have the confidence to give it a go and think, you know what, I'm going to take this game and try and get us, you know, more in front or, you know, you know, try and be a difference maker. I think it's important. I think Jed Wallace also, I'm not sure Jed could have improved much more because obviously under Harris, he was still probably the main player in the sense he probably still is now. But I think what, you know, where it's been good at doing is is taking the pressure away from Jed to be the main difference maker you know you bring in the likes of Woods who is kind of the midfielder who plays the way that Ryan wants us to play you know you've got Matt Smith up front who is a vocal point you know you've got players coming in that are making a difference and I mentioned Leonard scoring goals but I think it's kind of if goals come from other places and we don't rely so much on Wallace it then can leave them to go under the radar with people even saying recently he's not been that great this season but he's created 15 chances in the side in the six games and that's the most out of anyone in the squads um, Neil you got anything to add on that one? I think, I, yeah, I think we covered virtually everything earlier on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd quite like to have seen him brought another midfielder in during the transfer window. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
does worry me that slightly if if something happens, Christ, I hope it doesn't to either Woods or to uh, Ryan Leonard. Will we be as effective? No, I don't think we will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I'd like to take up on your point on Marlon Romeo. I think he's actually looking like a Premier League player at the moment. Absolutely a Premier yeah. League player. You have the whole of the back four, five is if you really. You know, and Murray Wallace probably couldn't play in the Premier League with Jake Cooper. Somebody's going to come call him for him in January. That's something that we've always mentioned. Sorry to butt in there, but because you mentioned when I think of Milner and our best players, you mentioned earlier, Neil, about Brentford cashing in 30 million on Ben Rama and also in Watkins. I've always been in the twist point here because like people always think do you stick or twist but if a club comes in 10-15 million pound for Cooper or for Wallace and then you get a chance to reinvest that will bring us on as a club you'd like to think I like to think so anyway I feel like if we give Rowett 15 million pounds for Jake Cooper and then he can replace him with four or five players I think that brings us on in a sense and something we could do going forward go on Paul right number one I think I think Jake Cooper has improved because He's 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 able now to put his foot on the ball and pass it. That's something that he didn't do. Much as I like Harris as a manager and a player and as a man, um, Cooper never did that under Harris. Um, the thing with Jeb Wallace is, don't forget, when Middlesbrough made the offer for for George Savile, they made the offer of seven million for George Savile and Jeb Wallace together. Mm-hmm. And the reason why why Wallace didn't go is because he wasn't going to be guaranteed a first team place, where apparently. Um, George Savile was so they always came in pairs didn't they they'd been everywhere together mm-hmm. and I think I think Jeb Wallace has, has maintained his performances um, from from the old manager to the new and there is no doubt he's our star player he's our he's our Jack Grealish if you like um, yeah. but but Cooper has improved I, I would Marlon's never been a defender really you know but I think his game's improved overall to the point where um, I think I think his partnership with Jeb Wallace is is almost perfect, you know, for for a championship side in our position. Um, Leonard, I said earlier, has improved markedly under under Gary Rowett, um, and I think I think Matt Smith doesn't get enough get enough credit really. I think I think he works hard. He can't run, but I was at the last the last game I went to was Forest away. And and his performance that night was mm. was absolutely unbelievable. It really, really was. So, do you know what? I think I think it's it's about a team unit, and it's looking like a good one. Yeah, Paul. Uh, why did you have to mention Forest? That's every game. Fucking Omar tries and gets the Forest. Fucking the game. In. Off you go, Omar. I'm real way day. The I'm best way day. That's <laughs> the way day. <laughs> Went to I thought we were going to went to beer Kelly in the evening afterwards. It was out till three or four in the morning. Who, who was on Sunday? Exactly. On Sunday? That, you know, like so that's that's you know. Again, we're talking about other things than just the football. Just to prove a point there, but that honestly, I I crazy to think it was seven months ago now, Mickey. Seven months, mate. <laughs> I know. Seven months. I fucking heard about it every fucking show. seven months and ten days. <laughs> 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 I want to get a little. Oh I want to get a, I'm getting a little Twitter, Twitter handle going. Of went since it was not in Forest and update every day. How about that? But no, it is. I feel real right about Smith. He doesn't get enough credit. I don't feel like because obviously he was our top goal scorer last season as well. 
And he just seems to be a handful. He's been involved in three of the last four goals for us. Like, you know, it, it, you've got to give him credit where it's due in that sense. I feel like it'd be interesting to see if anyone else could come in and try and make an impact. So, Jorge, we see what happens with that. Um, go on, Neil. Luton could not handle Matt Smith last night. He had him, you know, them, you know, Sonny Bradley and the other lad, they're going to be having nightmares for the next week of uh, Matt Smith, Adam. Uh, two or three times he could have scored one or two headers. I think there was one, did one, whether well, one grazed the post or something. Bar, and post, yeah. He was, he's an absolute handful. And you can see why, you can see why Harris wanted to sign him for so long. Mm. And the club have been after him for so long. Mm. He, yeah, but he isn't, yeah, but he's about as mobile as me, I think. <laughs> uh, but, but what a bloody handful. He really is. He, yeah, but he reminds me of Paul Moody. Yeah, 100%. 100%. It'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting whether he keeps his shirt on Saturday. I mean, I think Barnes is a little bit more of a different side, which is probably where Rowett's management and his experience at this level comes into hand. You know, if a, if a team likes to play from the back and, you know, has a, kind of plays a bit more of intensity than the likes of Luton and Wickham, that's probably when you want the likes of Bradshaw in there or more mobile forwards. So, it, that's probably the hard part sometimes explaining that to people. You know, sometimes, you know, if he scores and plays well, why does he not play Saturday? But I think, you know, that's probably when the manager needs to take his decisions and maybe with no crowds there, he gets away with it a bit more and he chops and changes a bit more. And I think at the moment he's, he's doing it right, I feel like. So we'll have to wait and see if, you know, we can kick on and hopefully get another win Saturday. Mickey, do you want to discuss anything else before we. Just one other thing. Um, just while why you're on there, and we might as well fucking keep it controversial to a degree. AFL, and I'll ask the lads, AFL's decision to ban buglers and military personnel from football stadiums up and down the country on Remembrance Day, I personally think is an utter disgrace. Um, You've got press and the lights in the stadium, um, you know, media, press, loads of hangers-ons from each side, etc., etc. Why the fuck can't you have a handful of players, you know, a handful of military. I think Millwall were looking at having four military involved, including a bugler, to basically pay the respects, lay the wreath for what we've always done. Um, and I just think the EFL's decision to ban military personnel from attending and only allowing appropriate staff to be there within their bubble as such, when the, the championships aren't testing anymore, what's the fucking harm? Do you know what I mean? If you don't want to be next to the military, then stand fucking either side of it. But I think it's disgusting. What do you think, lads? My view is they could have put a bugler on the other side of the ground. Could have put him in the stand. Yeah, yeah, they could have put them almost anywhere. But Mm. it's the one Sunday, or yeah, but the one Saturday or Sunday, whatever it is, that we actually get to pay our respects to people that laid down their lives for, for us. And, 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 because, and because of their sacrifice, we, well, we're free. Just sticks in the throat a little bit, I must admit. It's probably not their finest decision and one that I can see them rowing back from. Hopefully. I think if there's enough pressure, they're going to have to. I, I think it's just more evidence of, of the football authorities 
detaching themselves from the people that actually make the game, and that's the fans. Um, you know, I can say no more about that. It's I, I feel like a disappointed parent. Um, you know, they that they have they obviously have no concept of what true working class football fans feel. And and that's not just today, that's been since probably the formation of the Premier League, um, which is nearly getting on for 30 years ago. So it, it doesn't surprise me, it just disappoints me. I think I think it's I think my Yeah, well COVID I think is bullshit. I think my biggest thing with it is is that you know, I was lucky enough for the last few years that I organised the Remembrance Day. I got the soldiers involved. We basically decided what was what. Um, and, you know, we got, we teamed up with um, the Navy with the Mackenzie Award to, presentate, to, to present that on the day. And then, obviously, we have the Navy, the Army, the Marines, etc. There, we're one of the only clubs what have um, serving military personnel there. We do the reef, we do everything else, and it's a thoroughly enjoyable day for all who are there. And we raise shitloads of money. I mean, there's, you know, there's people what get involved. You know, Mel, Aisha, Mama Lion, massive respect to them too. Uh, you know, they will run the poppy collection, everything else. I'll arrange the soldier side of it and it's worked well over, you know, years. And I just think that a lot of preparation was going into this this one on a real scale down and the fact that we can't do poppy collections and everything else. And I I really do take it personally from I just think the EFL could have could have worked this out and said, look, you know, I don't want I don't want military personnel on pitch side. You know what? We could have stuck them in the stand, mate, and it was—it would just be that visual of them standing in the centre of each stand, and the camera can pan so you can see them there. And I think that's—that's that's great. I'd rather them on the pitch, but if we can't do it, we can't do it. But watch this space because fucking something's going to happen because the AFL will not dictate who we fucking remember and who we don't. And you're just a bunch of wankers, really, if you think that you are. Um, so yeah, watch this space. There, there'll be something happening. Because I can't see um, Millwall fans, whatnot, allowing it to um, to pass without us remembering some. Well Guaranteed. Said. Well said, mate. So I think we ran a course for today. Um, special shout, obviously, to Neil and Paul. You've both been great guests. I think I think Mickey will probably share this view with me, but it would be great to put this up again in a month's time, maybe. Talk more about how Mill have been doing. And, um, you know, I'm sure there'll be more off-field stuff we can debate and talk about as well, because it's been a really great show so far. Um yeah, I think, firstly, Neil, where can people find you? Where can we uh, get a hold of you on Twitter? <laughs> Fucking hell, people already hate him in the rugby field. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've got enough hate. Uh, yeah, we'll have to, yeah, we'll have to say that people shouldn't be taking a knee anymore. And uh, Christ almighty, don't, yeah, don't open that can of worms up. So we won't, we won't reveal your handle just yet. It's in, it's in the show notes. So if you want to go give him abuse, go ahead. If <laughs> <laughs> you really want to abuse me, Paul, anything you want to plug in there? It's it's no, no show. not really. I've, I I won't bother plugging my Twitter because I've been banned so many times. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down to about fifty followers. Where uh, uh, and I just I just try and wind people up on there. So. 
no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm about. Mickey knows where I am, and um, just, I, I've just, I've just melted into the background these days. Just, just, just for those of you who don't realise, um, who are listening to the show, and you're of the younger age group and, and don't have a clue, um, the big regen fight um, against Lewisham and Renewal was the brainchild of myself and and Mr. Turner um, on the other thing of here. And um, and at one point going forward, we're probably explaining in a bit more detail why we have uh, a nasty taste in our mouth um, regarding Millwall hierarchy to a degree, not necessarily the team that plays on the pitch um, and the effort and everything else we did. Um, we'll have the club. We, we, we stand shoulder to shoulder and, and and fight for the rights of the club um, every single day of the week. But yeah, it, it left a bit of a, a, a horrible taste in the mouth. Um, and that goes for all of us involved. But I think that will be another show where Omar can um, and possibly grill us and ask some questions. And then um, that possibly could be a, a controversial show. Absolutely. <laughs> It's actually a very good story, and and it involves yes, fantastic story. It involves a core of people um, that 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 shouldn't just take the credit, but but the, the, it was it was a it was galvanised by a core of people, and then and 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 then it it, it mushroomed out to and, and and it's it's it encompassed people that we I'm still close to today, and. And I have to say, you know, it puts strain on relationships and everything else. But you know what? It's about achieving something in life, and that's what we try to do. So maybe, yeah, maybe that's strain. Maybe that's a podcast. Strain on relationships. Fuck, you know, I nearly lost my family over it for fuck's sake. You know mm. what I mean? <laughs> when your family turns around and says, <laughs> mate, when your family turns around to you and says, listen. You know more about fucking what's going on at Millwall and what your kids are doing today. You sort of like fucking have to take a step back and realise, holy fuck. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah. I think we, we, I think we need to get a date together and we'll do that as a show. Omar can um, grill us. We'll see if we can get Al and um, Barney and Nick involved um, and actually just discuss the story because I think most people don't actually understand the story of of what went on. It will make a great video, great book. Um, you know, going forward, because we are cemented in Mill history forever. Well, you wouldn't um, think so, though, would you? You no. wouldn't think so, would you? Not that no. we want to because um, you know, I don't give a fuck, frankly. I'm in the history twice, mate. I've done the AMS and I was the second ever fan on the board, so oh, <laughs> you can't mention that, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we know you used to get a comfy seat, isn't it? Don't worry. Paul just called me a cunt. <laughs> we can't all live the, ex- the, oh, the nah. lounge life on the director's box on the match day, you know. And you know, I never went in the director. I went in there occasionally. Right. <laughs> I went in there occasionally. I used to sit right when um um Webster was there. That used to be funny when he was injured. I used to sit occasionally sit in the director's box, but right up the top because I used to like sitting right there. You could see everything. And he used to sit out there with his fucking legs across the chair. The cunt was fucking massive. Do you know what I mean? He was fucking huge. Um, <laughs> but no, it was good. They're, they're, look, it, it was good. I, I'd never, I'd never change anything. Um, and I, I, and I don't regret doing anything. Um, I, I have some probably things that if I could redo it, I'd probably change. Um, and probably Paul would say the same. But 
I think it was something what needed to be done. It was very, very organic. In the current situations now, if you look at stuff that went on now, I don't think we would have ever accomplished what we did if it was now. Um, yeah, maybe. But I think it was the, the right time, the right environment. Um, we managed to get the world involved. Uh, we had great people like Barney Rune. We had, you know, Al, um, or, or as we knew him within our groups as John, who was the financial investigator. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there's an appetite for it now. Um, but back then there was. I mean, don't forget, it's six years ago now um, that we started it all. And yeah, no, it, it was different times. Um, and fuck me, yeah, we fought like we fought like guerrilla warfare. Uh, unbelievable. Hmm. I think definitely a story for another podcast there if we can nail a day for that one. That would be a great show. Well, I think we've run a course. Um, once again, thanks to Neil and Paul. And obviously, thanks, Mickey, for being my co-host as usual. Um, I'm off to have a metaphoric pint. So, um, yeah, up the middle and we'll be back soon. Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Uh, okay, this is awkward, but this bike says he'd appreciate it if you removed his skull pattern saddlebags. He feels self-conscious about them around all the other bikes, and he says you're not fooling anyone. You mostly ride with your golfing buddies. <laughs> Listen, I'm just the messenger here. Oh, no, I don't want to say that. I think you made yourself clear. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. If you have bills and debt piling up, a personal loan through NetCredit can provide funding up to $10,000 to help you get back on track if eligible. Visit netcredit.com today. All NetCredit loans and lines of credit are offered by a member of the NetCredit family of companies or one of our lending partners. Visit netcredit.com partners for more information. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.